we welcome you to the Tabernacle Podcast, brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcast, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. Well, we're in Matthew chapter number 11, and we've been looking at this theme. The theme, uh, I think, is on the screen behind me, follow. Jesus called his disciples to follow him. And oftentimes we make the Christian life so complex and so difficult. And I think that is because that's within our human nature. It's in our DNA, which is corrupted, of course, by sin, that we try to make things confusing, and the world makes things confusing. And oftentimes religious leaders make things confusing. But Christ calls us to follow him in simplicity and godly sincerity. And so as we endeavor in these difficult days in which we live to honor the Lord, let's resolve to follow him. It's really quite simple to follow him, isn't it? Just go where he leads us. Do what he tells us. Stay close to him. And uh, we'll follow him. If you've been following someone and you have, you've kind of, maybe somebody's riding along with you in the car and you're following a car ahead, but then you get embroiled in conversation and you don't maintain speed and they go through a red light and you're left behind and, and uh, so you got to follow close, right? You have to pay attention. And as God's people, we need to walk circumspectly and pay attention and follow the Lord Jesus. Now, how do we follow him? Well, he reveals himself to us in his word, doesn't he? And he gives to us the Holy Spirit. And he says, follow me. So we're endeavoring to follow him. And as we come to Matthew chapter number 11, uh, in this series, we've been looking at the disciples and how they followed Christ and what they were learning as they followed him. But as we come to Matthew chapter number 11, we're going to find a disciple in doubt. That's the title of the message, a disciple in doubt. Have you ever doubted the Lord? Have you ever doubted those things that you know are true? But perhaps in a moment of weakness, a moment of discouragement, a moment of difficulty, you begin to ask yourself, is this really what I believe? Do I really believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Do I really trust him with my life and my eternal future? Those moments come to all of us. And what we're going to find in, in this 11th chapter is that Jesus has a response for us, and it's a loving response and a patient response. Aren't you glad of that? And he reassures us in that response, and he remains faithful to us even when we do not remain faithful to him. So we're looking at this thought, a disciple in doubt. We'll begin reading in verse number one. And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his 12 disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. 
And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, What went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? But what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what went ye out to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Verily I say unto you, Among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. I want you to note the question we find in verse number three. This is the question of John the Baptist. Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? A disciple in doubt. That's what we meet today, and that is often at times, if we're honest with ourselves, that is where we sometimes find ourselves in doubt. And I want to give you three truths that will help us when we are in doubt. And I'll give you the first. I hope you'll write these things down. And may God speak to us through his word. First of all, we see that the Lord's disciples are prone to doubt. The Lord's disciples are prone to doubt. It's not unusual for those who follow Jesus to doubt him. In fact, all throughout the scripture, we meet doubters. We, they're believers, but though they're the believers, they doubt. Uh, remember, if you read the story, the man came to ask the Lord Jesus to heal his child. And he said, if thou believest, all things are possible. He said, Lord, I believe. And then he said this, help my unbelief. You see, anytime we express faith, there will always be fear. Anytime that we say that we believe, because we live in a, a body of, of, of flesh, a body that is corrupted by sin, that sin has tainted not only our physical bodies, it's tainted us uh, in every way in our soul, our mentally, emotionally, in our thoughts. And so because of that, doubt creeps in. We're prone to doubt. And we need to recognize that. Now, John, we'll notice, was in prison. That, that's what led to his doubt. That was the circumstance in John's life that led to his doubt. He was in prison. Now, look, if you would, please, in verse 2. Now, when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Now, we, what do we know about John? Well, we know that John was a rugged man. He, uh, his clothing was camel's hair, and uh, he lived out in the wilderness. His ministry was in the wilderness. He, if you wanted to hear John preach, you, you couldn't go to town. You had to go to the wilderness. And uh, so he was a rugged, outdoors kind of guy. He ate uh, wild honey and locusts. I, I might like the honey. I don't think I would like the locusts probably wouldn't want to go to his house for dinner after church today but he was a rugged man he was an outdoor man but where did John find himself in verse 2 
in prison. Surrounded by walls and bars. Cold stone walls. Dark, dreary prison. But why was he there? Well, he was there because he was the victim of an oppressive system of government run by the Romans. He was there because a man who was appointed by the Romans was the king. And he put John in prison to benefit himself and because he had a personal vendetta against John. He was there not again because he committed a crime. He was there because of his obedience to fulfill God's call upon his life. If you'll go with me just a few pages over to Matthew 14, we're going to find out why John was in prison. Matthew 11 doesn't give us the story of how he got there, but Matthew 14 does. And so in Matthew chapter 14 and uh, verse number 3, we read this. For Herod had laid hold on John, that means he arrested him, and bound him and put him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife. For John said unto him, It is not lawful for thee to have her. So let's get the picture. Herod is the king. He's an Edomite. He's appointed by the Roman government. And Herod apparently has taken Herodias, who was his brother's wife, and made her perhaps his wife, perhaps his mistress. And so John spoke up. And he says, it is not lawful for thee to have her. And Herod didn't like it. Neither did Herodias. In fact, as we're going to learn later, Herodias will be the one who deceives Herod into making a, a vow, a commitment uh, to, to have John put to death. So Herodias has a vendetta. Herod has a vendetta. Herod and Herodias both want him dead, but Herod doesn't put John to death because he fears the people. The Bible said they counted him in verse 5 as a prophet. So that tells you the respect that the people had for John. So Herod decided... I don't like this preacher telling me that I can't have my brother's wife. So I'm, I can't kill him. So I'm going to put him in prison, and I'm going to leave him there. And John was there for a long time in prison. And why was he there? Again, not because he had committed a crime. He was there because he was faithful to God. He was there because he was the victim of an oppressive government, and he was there because he was the victim of a sinful man. And in the prison, John changed in his perspective. Oftentimes, prisons do that for us, right? By the way, it doesn't have to be a physical prison. It can be a, it can be a prison that is a prison of the mind, a prison of the heart, the emotions, the soul, that incarcerates us, that confines us, that holds us in. And in that prison, oftentimes what happens to us is our perspective change. And that is exactly what is happening to John. 
John, who was the bold witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Behold, he said, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the whole world. That's what John said. Now what is John saying? Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Had John been mistaken, he wondered? In that prison, the disciples had, uh, had told him what Jesus was doing. And perhaps John thought this, he's working on behalf of others. Why isn't he working on my behalf? He's healing the sick, he's raising the dead, he's delivering people from bondage, but here I sit in this prison cell. When is he going to work on my behalf? You see, John's prison was a prison of unfulfilled expectations and personal disappointment. You know, we all think a certain way about God and what God ought to do, don't we? We, we like to imagine. In fact, the world talks about a God that they have formulated in their mind, you know, a God who does what they think he ought to do, a God who agrees with them, not a God that they agree with. That's evident by the way many people live their lives. You see, we get a wrong perspective on who God is and what God should be doing. And John's perspective was wrong. In fact, uh, most of the people in the land of Israel had the wrong perspective about Jesus. They wanted a Messiah who was going to come and deliver them from Roman oppression, who was going to set up his kingdom and they could prosper under his leadership. They wanted a political figure. They did not know he was going to be a savior who would die for their sin. And they were disappointed. And by the way, you and I get disappointed too, don't we? I asked God to do this. I asked God to do that. I thought he would surely come through for me, but it doesn't appear that he has. And so we begin to doubt. That's what happened to John. Now, I want you to think about this amazing thing that John was doubtful about who the Lord Jesus was. Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Because John had known the Lord Jesus his whole life long. I mean, really, when John was in his mother's womb, John was the son of a priest named Zacharias and a woman named Elizabeth. Elizabeth and Mary, the mother of Christ, were cousins. Elizabeth was barren and past the age of childbearing. Apparently, Zacharias and Elizabeth had prayed for years for the Lord to give them a child. And as Zacharias was closing out his time of ministry in the temple, an angel said to him, you're going to have a child. Your prayers have been heard. And that child's not just going to be uh, just some average, you know, uh, priest because the priests that were born into the family would one day become priest. He wasn't just going to be a priest. No, this, this boy was going to grow to be a prophet, a prophet who prepared the way of the Lord. He would have a powerful preaching ministry. Luke chapter 1, you'll find it in there. And so Zacharias took note of that, and Elizabeth did too. And then later on, Mary got the news uh, from Gabriel that uh, she had been chosen by God to bear his son and bring him into the world, that he would be the Savior. And so <clears throat> Mary went to the house of Elizabeth 
in Luke chapter 1 to share the news. And when she gave the report, the Bible says that Elizabeth felt the babe leap in her womb. We believe that all life is a gift from God. And we believe that life begins at conception. And Luke chapter 1 gives you a great example of that. John leapt in his mother's womb at the news of Jesus. He was filled in his mother's womb with the Holy Ghost. Isn't that amazing? Now, you can imagine as John grew up, he heard a lot about Jesus. And his mother would with joy recount the story of the time that Mary had came over, told him about Jesus. She said, John, you leapt in my womb. I mean, here was a man who knew Jesus all his life. And as an adult, he knew Jesus. In John chapter number 1, in verse number 29, the Bible says this, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Here's the man who all the people of Israel revered as a prophet, and the prophet said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the whole world. What a great testimony. Verse 30 of John 1, This is he of whom I said, After me cometh the man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. Verse 32, And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode on him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. And John said this in verse 34, And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. What an amazing thing to say. He's the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. He's the Son of God. I saw the Holy Spirit descend upon him. What more conviction? What more evidence? What more, what more powerful uh, uh, what argument could you have than the one that John had? He said, I know him. I know who he is. He is the Son of God. He knew that Jesus was the Messiah. Even when he asked this question, he knew. But he allowed disappointment and discouragement and despair to creep in. And so he sent his disciples and said, Art thou he that should come? Or do we look for another? Have you found yourself disappointed with the Lord when he hasn't met your expectation? When things have not turned out the way you thought they should? Has that disappointment in your life led to discouragement? Are you losing hope? John seemed to be. Has your personal disappointment in Christ led to your doubt? Do you doubt his goodness? Do you doubt his plan? Do you doubt his power? Have you been faced with the temptation? To look for another? Maybe a bottle? Doesn't have to have liquid in it. It might have the pill in it. Maybe another person outside of your marriage that you think can bring you happiness, fulfillment, joy. No, they'll leave you empty. Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another?
The Lord's disciples are prone to doubt. Well, here's the second lesson we learn. And that is that the Lord responds to our doubt. The Lord responds to our doubt. Now, the setting is that Jesus is teaching. He's preaching and teaching. There's a great crowd gathered there. And here comes John's disciples to question the Lord while he's teaching. Art thou he that should come or do we look for another? And the Lord responds to them. Verse 4, Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again. What a powerful word. Again, I, I think that's the word you ought to circle. Again. I've showed this to him before, but I'm willing to show him again. Those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor of the gospel preached unto them. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. You see, the Lord responds to our doubt. He responds with patient reassurance. Go and show John again. Now, you know, had that been one of us, And somebody came and embarrassed us in front of that group. Are, are you the one or do we look for another? Uh, we might have been prone to say, what is your problem? What do I have to do for you? Have you forgotten what I've done for you? We say that to our kids. We say that to our friends. But Jesus is patient. And he reassures John. Go and show John again. He doesn't let John's doubt move him or disrupt him. He rather seeks to reassure John in his doubt. He said, tell him about the things that ye hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Yes, I am who I said I was, and I am working. That's what he wants to say. The Lord is willing to show us again and again that he is who he says he is. You know, Edna Worrell was a songwriter. She wrote these words, Sometimes when clouds of trouble bedim the sky above, I cannot see my Savior's face and doubt his wondrous love. But he from heaven's mercy seat, beholding my despair, in pity, bursts the clouds between and shows me he is there. When sorrow's clouds o'ertake me and break upon my head, when life seems worse than useless and I were better dead, I take my grief to Jesus then, nor do I go in vain, for heavenly hope he gives that cheers like sunshine after rain. Oh, I could sing forever of Jesus' love divine, of all his care and tenderness for this poor life of mine. His love is in and over all, and wind and waves obey when Jesus whispers, peace be still, and rolls the clouds away. It's just like Jesus to roll the clouds away. It's just like Jesus to keep me day by day. It's just like Jesus all along the way. It's just like his great love. 
What a wonderful Savior we have. He said, boys, I want you to carry some sunshine into that dark dungeon and tell John I love him and show him what I'm doing. Christ patiently reassured him. So the Lord's response was with patient reassurance. And then the Lord responds with loving reproof. Loving reproof. And blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. The word offended means to stumble, a stumbling block. What was John stumbling over? He was stumbling over his expectation that the Lord would get rid of Herod, that the Lord would get rid of Caesar, that the Lord would establish a political kingdom. But it wasn't happening. And Jesus' message to John was this. Will you just trust me? Trust me. You're in prison. It's not a good place to be. In fact, John would die there. He would later be beheaded. Herodias' daughter would appear before Herod and dance, a lewd and seductive dance. And Herod would become so inflamed that he would say, whatever you want, it's yours. To the half of the kingdom. She went to her mother who had prepared her for such a reality. And her mother said, all you want is John the Baptist's head in a charger. And so they beheaded John the Baptist. Think, what a tragic story. Well, no, everything got good for John right after that. <laughs> he was set free. But the Lord reproved him, just lovingly. Blessed is he, even when you're in prison, if you just trust me, if you'll not be offended in me, if you'll not question my decisions and my goodness. John MacArthur in his commentary wrote and explained it this way. He was content, speaking of John, he was content to leave in the Lord's hands the many things he did not yet understand. And that is the secret of being blessed and of not stumbling. You see, that's when we stumble, right? When there are things that happen to us that we don't understand and we, we want an explanation, we want a reason, we want God to do things on our timetable according to our desire, but then he does it. Like when Mary and Martha wanted him to show up and cure Lazarus of his disease, but he didn't because he was going to do something greater. God was doing something greater for John. And God is doing something greater for us, even in our difficulties, even in our prison, in our disappointment, in our discouragement. So blessed is he who is not offended in him. Well, there's a third lesson for us, and that is this. The Lord remains faithful even though we doubt. The Lord remains faithful even though we doubt. Look in verse 7. And as they departed, that is the disciples of John, as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John. So they came. They said, excuse us, excuse us, we have a question. Can we interrupt the, the service here just to ask this question? We've got we to get back. And so he answered the question 
Everybody's sitting there patiently waiting for him to answer the question. And then they're walking away. And as they're walking away, Jesus begins to speak. And notice what he says in verse 7. What went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? Just a little, you know, just a little plant life, just moving in the wind, blowing around? That's not John. No, no. But what went ye out to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's houses. You see, here's the great thing I find here. Jesus did not condemn John. He didn't condemn him. He didn't get mad at him. He, he didn't say, he's weak. I can't believe he's doubting me. He said, no, this is the man that you went out in the wilderness to hear. He is a man of strength and fortitude, a man of character and a man of honor. He did not condemn him. And by the way, he doesn't condemn you. Would you go with me to Romans chapter number 7? Romans chapter 7, we'll find verse 24 there. Romans chapter 7 and verse 24. <clears throat> you see, John in a moment of weakness began to doubt. But what we find in Romans chapter 6 and 7 is that we're all weak. All of us. Those of us who know Christ, those of us who follow him, though we have the spirit of God living in us, we still have a sinful nature, a sin nature, the flesh. Sin has so corrupted us. It's corrupted our bodies. It's corrupted our soul, the way we think, our emotions. It's, it's affected us in, in every way, more than we can even begin to understand the depths of the effects of sin in our body and in our mind and in our heart. And Paul in Romans 6 and 7 is, is speaking of the struggle that he is a believer and that all believers have with sin. And Paul in, in Romans 7 sums it up quite, quite succinctly this way. I'm trying to do right, but I can't do it. I want to do right, but I just can't do it. And, and I'm trying not to do wrong, but I keep doing it. Have you ever been there? Lord, here it is. I'm, it's me again. I'm embarrassed to even tell you this, but I did it again. You ever have a conversation like that with the Lord? I've asked you to forgive me for this. I don't know how many times, but here I am. And the devil, you know, he nudges up beside you and he says, do you think he really wants to hear from you again? Same old story. You worthless person, you. Does he ever do that to you? Paul said this in Romans 7, 24. Would you look at it? When he thought about it, when he thought about his struggle with sin, he said, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Verse 25, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, there's the answer. Paul, Paul's got his eyes on, on, on his own failures and his his, his own sin, and he, he just says, oh, wretched man that I am. I'm hopeless. I'm a mess. But then he put his eyes on Jesus, who is the Son of God. He's our righteousness. He's our salvation. And then look at, look at what that reality does in verse 1 of chapter 8. 
There is therefore now no, would you say that next word? Condemnation. He doesn't condemn us. He doesn't say, you sorry rascal, I can't believe you're doubting my goodness. You sorry good for nothing bum, I can't believe that we're here again. Don't you remember the things I've showed you time and time again, and yet I gotta keep telling you over and over. Well, yes, he does, but he does it. Aren't you glad? And he does so without condemning us. But not only does he not condemn John, but he commends John. He brags on him. I can imagine the devil was there that day in that crowd. You know, he was following Jesus everywhere. And he probably sitting over there with a smug look on his face while those disciples were questioning Jesus. And he's probably sitting there going, I told you so. I told you so. That John's a good for nothing. But Jesus said in verse 9, But what went ye out to see? A prophet? Yea. They said he was a prophet, right? He said, Yea, I say unto you, more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of a woman, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. So let's go to the prison. Here come the disciples. We need to see John. Okay. You can come over here and see him. You got 10 minutes. How'd it go? Well, it went pretty good. Did you get to talk to him? Oh, yes. But alone? Oh, no, no, no. There was a multitude around him. Did you ask him the question? Yes. In front of all those people? Well, we had to. Oh, no. What are they going to think of me? We're always worried about that, aren't we? What are they going to think of me? Well, what did he say? He said, for us to come back and tell you what we saw and heard. Well, what did you see in here? The lame walk. The blind received their sight. The dead are raised to life. Wow. That's what he's doing. That's what he's doing. Well, was he mad? Is he mad at me? No. Well, what did he say? He said, among those that are born of women. There's none greater than John the Baptist. That's what a man needed in a prison cell that day. To hear the words of commendation of his Savior. Those are the words that we'll hear one day. Well done. Well done. Thou good and faithful servant. You see, I think we have this view of God that he's this ogre in the sky who's going to just be so disappointed with us. 
I want you to know if you belong to him, he loves you with an everlasting love. And there is no condemnation in you. Now, we can't live in sin willfully. We need to confess it. We need to be right. And maybe you're here today and you're convicted because you know that you are. Well, then you need to come to this altar at the conclusion of this message when we sing a hymn of invitation. And you need to confess that to God. And you need to thank him for his goodness because there's no condemnation on you if you're in Christ Jesus. If you're here this morning and you're not in Christ Jesus, then you are under condemnation. But God loves you and he sent his son to die for you. And if you'll just simply receive him as Savior and confess that you're a sinner, confess that he's the Son of God, and you will call upon him, believing in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, the Bible says, thou shalt be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Your sin be forgiven. You'll have a home in heaven. And the condemnation is gone. Jesus commended John. And Jesus commends you because he loves you. And you are in him. Before he died, the Lord Jesus said this to Peter, Satan hath desired you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Do you know that if you desire to live for God and do right, Satan desires you. Satan wants you, and he wants to sift you like wheat. But our faithful high priest is praying for us in this moment. Peter said, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to death. And Jesus said, Peter, before the cock crows thrice, you will deny me. Or twice, you'll deny me three times. Well, guess what? He did. He denied him. Jesus was crucified. On the third day after his crucifixion, he arose, and the angel told the disciples, they get, he gave the disciples this message, or those that he saw at the tomb. He said, go your way, tell his disciples and Peter, specifying Peter. You see, he had a message for the one in prison that day. Go tell Peter that Jesus has arisen. In John 21, Jesus appeared to Peter and the disciples on the Sea of Galilee, and he fed them some fish, and he said to, to Peter, he said, do you love me? Three times he asked him. He said, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. You see, Peter was converted. God strengthened him, and Peter was given the responsibility to strengthen the brethren. The doubts that you and I go through do not lead us to, 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 or do not cause us to be condemned by the Lord, but rather commended and strengthened so that he can teach us his truth, reveal his self to us, and equip us to minister to others. The doubts you are experiencing right now as you go through them, there'll be a day you'll encounter others who are experiencing doubts similar to those, and you'll be able to say, this is what God did for me. Some of you are already doing that because you've been through enough that you can do that now. So what do we learn here? Well, we learn this. We learn that the Lord's disciples are prone to doubt. 
It happens to us. We learn that when we doubt, the Lord responds, thankfully, to our doubt. He responds with patient reassurance and loving reproof. And we learn that the Lord remains faithful to us even though we doubt. Paul wrote it this way in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 11. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we believe not, you see, John didn't deny him. He just questioned. If we believe not in that moment when faith seems to be faltering, yet he abideth faithful. When we're not faithful to him, he still remains faithful to us. He cannot deny himself. What a Savior. A disciple in doubt. Thank you for listening. We pray that God has used his word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. There, you'll find additional information about our church, opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you, and thank you once again for listening.